Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And I just believe that some good things are going to happen on campus today. Amen. Those joining us on uh, live stream and Facebook Live, thank you for joining us today. Let the service be a blessing to you. Amen. Uh, right from the beginning this morning, let me just remind you of a couple things. Uh, not a lot today, but I do want you to take note. Uh, there has been a, a, a payment tab on the church app where you can give your Mission Louisiana pledge. So there is now a tab there called Mission Louisiana for you to give. Next Sunday, we will have a blood drive. Uh, so make note of that. Sign up to be a part of that next Sunday, the blood drive. And then finally, we're announcing August 12th is the 30th pastoral anniversary banquet at Forest Grove from 6 to 9. All we need from you is an RSVP, so we'll know how many to plan for. So you'll see a link on your weekly email, on the uh, weekly update for you to RSVP. It's going to be a great evening. We're going to have a lot of fun, and mostly we're going to just celebrate Pastor and Sister Murphy 30 years of service to our church and how much we love and appreciate them. So please enjoy or make plans to enjoy that evening with us. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer today, and uh, I want to pray specifically over the service uh, that God would have his way. And then we have two very special needs today that I want to bring to your attention. I'm asking you to pray. Uh, Brother Tom Laidlaw needs our prayer. And we also want to remember Bruce Bajeron. This is Sister Laura Hart's dad has asked for prayer today. So Tom Laidlaw, Bruce Bajeron. If we could lift them up today at the outset of this service. Would you join me? Let's do that together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. You are wonderful. You are mighty, Lord. And I thank you for what you're doing among us. God, I pray today for this service. Let the anointing flow. Lord, it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And I pray today that you, every yoke would be broken, God. I pray that you would have your way and have your will. We pray for Brother Laidlaw today. We pray for Bruce Bajeron. God, move and work in these situations, we pray. We call them to your attention, and we pray the name of Jesus over them. Let it be done in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. We had an amazing worship experience here Friday night. If you were here, you know how awesome it was if you saw it on live stream. And I don't know, I just feel like that same spirit is here. I just It's, it's in my heart, it's in my soul. I just feel like praising God. And so I'm just going to ask you, Grace Church, let's pick up where we left off Friday night and let's worship God with the praise team as they lead us into his presence. Would you do that with me? Clap your hands to Jesus as the praise team comes. Oh, God. 
thankful to be here today. It's great to be in the presence of the Lord. Yes, it is. Can we clap our hands one more time to Jesus? Let's praise him today. Let's lift him up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. God bless you as you return to your seat. Remain standing. It's uh, great to be here. I'm excited about today's service. I have been for the past several days. And, uh, but before we get to that, uh, so thankful for such an incredible service this past Friday night. There were some pretty amazing things that happened uh, this past Friday night for which I am uh, so very thankful, so very appreciative of what God did here Friday night and uh, such an awesome display and demonstration of His presence. We're certainly thankful for all of our guests that came. And uh, I want to thank Grace Church uh, this morning uh, for housing, accommodating uh, the North Texas Youth Choir that was here. And uh, I've heard nothing but good reports about these folks staying in your home and I've heard nothing but good about your kindness towards them. Thank you so very much, Grace Church, for coming through and accommodating that. And those of you that were here Friday night, it was certainly worth all of that effort. We're glad to have all of our guests here this morning, as always. If you're here, a guest of Grace Church, we're so glad you're here. And uh, thank you, thank you so much for coming. And you're certainly always welcome to come and be with us again. Thank the Lord. Let me jump into the my scripture setting today. Uh, we've been in a, a place of worship that in my mind has been kind of one place. We have a posture here. Um, we're, we're, we're about to change that just a, just a little bit. Uh, you'll see as we jump into the word of God here this morning. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. The Bible said, And behold, one came and said unto him, Jesus, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If you will be perfect or complete, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, because he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. An eye of a needle is not the sewing needle that you and I know today. They didn't have those like that back then. It's a very small, tiny gate that hardly a child could crawl through what an eye of a needle is. So he said it's harder for a camel to go through that than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed in saying, 
Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Everybody say, but with God. That's what I want to preach to you about today, just simply, but with God. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, the Bible declares, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. There is nothing too hard for thee. Concerning the birth of Jesus, the Bible said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Concerning the birth of Isaac, the Bible said in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? God said at the time appointed, I will. In Job 42, verse 1, after Job had been restored, Job answered the Lord and saying, I know that you can do everything. In Ephesians 1.19, Paul said, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So build a boxed, a box-shaped boat about the size of one and a half football fields long and about half of a football field wide and about four and a half stories tall and live on it. For almost a year, with many kinds of animals, a floating zoo. Sounds rather impossible, but that's what Noah did. You need to move to a new land where you'll be a stranger, and your wife will eventually have a child, even though, number one, she's not able to have children. Number two, by the time you get to this land, She's going to be way too old to have a baby. That's what God promised Abraham. And although you're a virgin, you will give birth to a son, and he will be the son of God. How impossible. But Mary believed the divine message. Don't we see, anybody here today see again and again in the scriptures, God's people Facing the impossible. Think of Moses and Gideon and Ruth and David and Elijah and Daniel and Esther and so many more. And still today we, God's people, oftentimes believe that we face what we say is impossible situations. Now, we're no Abraham or Moses or Mary. So how are we supposed to do it like they did? Ursula K. Le Guin distinguishes between making a new world and making a world new. She distinguishes between making a new world and other than uh, making a world new. As a science fiction writer, Ursula confesses to spending a great deal of time 
making a new world as a fiction writer, fashioning imaginary worlds for the reader and their mind to play around in. But she said there's also the work of the religious imagination, which she calls making the world new or making the world different. She acknowledges that there's perhaps a religious imagination that can make for somebody a new world to live in that's not fiction. It can be real. It can be relevant. It can be true. There's a few people here today that I would like for us to take a moment and celebrating their faith when they were faced with some very difficult and very challenging situations. Tanya and Tucker Coley is here today. On Friday evening, July the 21st of 2017, Tanya noticed that her son Tucker, who at the time was two years old, started to crawl more than he would walk. Throughout the day on Saturday, he progressively got worse and wasn't walking at all. By Sunday morning, he couldn't even stand up on his own and was very unsettled. On Sunday morning, Tanya headed to an after-hours clinic. They did x-rays on Tucker and told her that Tucker had a hairline fracture in his left hip. It was explained that this type of fracture would only happen if he had fallen off of something high, such as a countertop or a bunk bed, and hit directly onto a hard floor or a hard surface. Tanya declared that that had not happened. But she went on to say they were released and was told that a referral to an orthopedic doctor would be done first thing Monday morning. And they would be able to tell if it would heal on his own or if Tucker would require surgery. She and Tucker came to church that Sunday morning. Tanya brought Tucker to the front to be prayed for, standing right over there against the front row. Brother Dave laid hands on Tucker and prayed for him in the name of Jesus. He started squirming in Tanya's arms, and she put him down. And there was a host of people here today not knowing what was wrong with him, but watched him hit the floor and run all the way across the front of this building. I want to preach to somebody today. Wherever you are in life, it doesn't matter. Because there's a phrase that says, what seems to you as impossible, but with God. Oh, yes. I'd like to talk to you about what happened with Brad Starnes and his son Keegan. I'll preface my remarks by saying that Brad is an emergency medical technician, uh, assistant fire chief, I believe, here in Central, uh, with the Central Fire Department, and has been trained in numerous areas of medical intervention and what have you, so he's no novice at this. <clears throat> when Keegan was turning four, Brad and Fallon had a birthday party for him at their house. That night around midnight, Brad was awakened out of his sleep by Fallon talking to Keegan, asking him what's wrong 
What's wrong? Keegan was struggling to breathe. He was moving minimal air, and his lips were beginning to turn blue. After getting up and contemplating calling 911, Brad picked Keegan up and began walking laps around his house, praying for him in the name of Jesus. Within seconds of those prayers, Keegan in his arms, Brad noticed that Keegan had laid his head on Brad's shoulder and had immediately and instantly gone back to sleep. His respirations had gone back to normal and he slept slept soundly the rest of the night. That situation has not repeated itself since then. I want to celebrate some faith here this morning. Don't tell me what God can't do. The Bible said, for with men, things are impossible. But with God, he's a game changer, if you will. He can make all the difference in your world and in your life if you'll give him the opportunity to do so. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Another story. I want to share with you, and I, this could not have been, this miracle could not have been more manifest through our deeply loved and deeply appreciated Steve Butch. Played the guitar right over there this morning. On a Wednesday night, October 10, 2018, his shoulder joint had been torn from front and back from the top down. His doctor said surgery was absolutely mandatory, no other way. Surgery was scheduled for the week following a missionary, a Wednesday night missionary service. Who comes with great expectations on a missionary Wednesday night? We come to see a PowerPoint display and a little bit about a country, a geography lesson, and we go home. But not that night. Missionary Mark Staring was here. I remember it vividly. He preached about the miraculous that night. And I remember asking him, you see the fellow there playing the guitar, would you go pray for him? He did. Steve said, quote, I set my guitar down and we prayed. And then I went back to playing my guitar. He said, I was talking to someone right after church. I remembered I was here. He said, when I noticed that my shoulder, my shoulder felt connected, connected and mobile. He said, I told the person that I was talking to, to wait just a second. I need to try something. Only Steve Bunch. If you know him, only Steve Bunch. He didn't do this. He didn't do none of this. He got down on the floor and started doing push-ups. I saw it from the back door, and I thought, what in the world? And then it hit me. He can't do that. He's got a tore-up shoulder, but with God. Hallelujah to God. I'm preaching to somebody here today. Whatever you're facing, it ain't over. It's not done yet. Don't throw up the white flag and surrender to a horrible event in your life. Because the Bible said what's impossible for you is not impossible with God. Everybody clap your hands again to the Lord. 
Let me finish the story. Steve went on to his previously scheduled pre-op exam with a surgeon the following week. The surgeon said, I will not be operating on you because you have no symptoms and no need for surgery. That Wednesday night, God healed him instantly. I can assure you today that there are many stories like that that have happened at Grace Church. But we oftentimes have a propensity to forget about the miracle and put more emphasis on the event. We just seem to be programmed that way. It's far more appealing to tell what's wrong with me than to tell how God healed it. We would rather sympathy than celebration. But I want to preach to somebody here today. I'm here to celebrate with you. I'm here to rejoice with you because we're all living under the canopy but with God. I want to move as quickly as I can today. And I want to share with you the stories of three prisoners who became world changers. If they can do what they did in jail, then why can't we be victorious being free? I think that's a legitimate question. I had a short conversation with somebody last night. They asked me straight up, have you ever been in jail? What do you think I am? Living two lives here. One of these people is one thing during the day and something else at night. No, I haven't been in jail and I'm terrified of the thought of it. I said, since we're on that subject, have you? And he came up with this long story about how he was a protected witness in this. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, why did they put you in jail then? They have safe houses for people like that anyway. So no, I've never been in jail. But these people were, but not because they were criminals. Not like that. There are dozens of prison stories in the Bible. But today I'm going to share with you the stories of three prisoners who literally changed their world and changed the world of others. If they can do in jail, if they can do what they did being in jail, then why can't we experience and manifest the but with God principle in our life? Each three of these people, these circumstances, suffered a particularly challenging trial of their faith. Each of them were placed in a distinct position, a distinct posture. The Bible is very clear on that. They were put in a certain position physically. And their faith was challenged to the absolute max. But they took the but with God principle in prison with them and change their world and change the world of others around them. I'm preaching to somebody right now. And each man's particular position during their incarceration, during their respective trial, depicts a necessary position required of those of us who wants to change our world 
and change the world of people around us. You probably know where I will go first. It's the story of the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. One child thought in Sunday school. It's one of the most dramatic stories in all of the Old Testament in my opinion. It depicts the first challenging position of one's faith. And that is, not only were they in the fire, but they didn't sit down. They didn't fold their arms and they didn't quit. King Nebuchadnezzar made it very clear. I see not just three men, but four men walking. Everybody say walking. Now, I don't know. I don't get the impression from anywhere in the Bible that they were trying to walk out of it. The Bible said they were thrown in it. Common sense tells me if you're thrown in, you're going to have to be lifted out. I'm not sure they could have got out. If anybody would have thought by any stretch of the imagination, they could have walked out anyway. But I've just got this mental image in my mind of these fellas, three of them, just walking around. Hey, man, what's up? How y'all doing? Y'all doing good over there? A little response back. You know, kind of go along with me here for a minute. There you go. Uh, walking around, hey, <laughs> y'all hungry? How's your family? Your wife and kids doing okay? I just, this is what I have in my head. They were that comfortable. Y'all not hearing me right now. They were that at ease. It was not bothering them. We know why. The Bible said when they came out of the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't even singed. There was nothing about these men that said, we have just been in the hottest pit of fire that can be created on this planet. And they were walking around in it. They weren't sulking. They weren't pouting. They weren't offended. They weren't none of that because they had company with them. They brought into that fire with them the but with God principle. Walking. Everybody say walking. We give up our walk with God over anything. When times are even good, I've seen people tempted to go do something stupid. As a matter of fact, I see more people yield to sin when times are good and when they're being blessed than when they're going through a trial. But these men showed no sign of discomfort. I don't believe they even broke out in a sweat. They should have caught on fire and burned up in a moment. They increased the heat of that furnace. I'm going to belabor the point until you people start responding to what I'm saying. Pass these front two rows. I work with this as pastor. I've gone through it as pastor. Where you say, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you just, why, why, why? I don't read any of that in the Bible with these. I don't know. They were completely enveloped with this but with God principle. These three bureaucrats stood up to a king that was so powerful he would rightly be considered 
the conqueror of the world at that known time. He was the most powerful man in the world. And as a result of defying him, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And the Bible went on and was careful to go on and say, that furnace was heated up seven times hotter. I think the first level of heat would have given you a blister or two. But they went overboard. We want these three guys to burn up. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make it so hot that the people that's throwing them in the fire, they will burn up. Y'all still aren't getting the point. I wish and I pray that all of us could get to the point when we're completely enveloped with the impossible, that we would engage this. I'm not preaching pie in, pie in the sky, name it, claim it, all of that. I'm not preaching. I'm preaching straight up Bible. God said, period, with you, things are impossible. But with God, nothing. It's important to understand that the central message of this challenging position of faith is not our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fire furnace. He most assuredly is. That's not the point that God was trying to make through this story. I can deliver you from the fiery furnace, but I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to let you go into the fiery furnace. So it will leave no doubt in anybody's mind as how you're going to get out of it. See, you're still not hearing me right now. You're just getting this little religious, you know, posture. You don't understand the confidence that I have oftentimes. Sister Murph will tell you it's true. When people come to my office, when I meet them in a restaurant, tears are streaming down their face. And God, what about my family member? God, what about this? God, what about that? What about my finances? What about this? Just keep doing what you know to do. Just keep serving God. Just keep living for God. Don't do anything stupid. Don't go off the rail. Don't go haywire on me now. You put your feet flat-footed on the Word of God and look the devil in the eye. And say, he may not deliver me from the fiery furnace, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not going to surrender to this. I believe that God, hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God. I could run through a troop and leap over a wall right now. I feel something welling up on the inside of somebody that says, hey, I'm in the middle of it. But I'm dragging God in this with me. And by the help of God, we're going to walk out of it. Hallelujah. We say God delivered them from the fire. No, he didn't. They went smack dab in the middle of it. They were in it. But God didn't let them go in. By themselves. These God given companions 
experience the comfort and the peace and the assurity that when you're in the most trying situation that a man has ever been in, God is there too. And I'm convinced that that miracle of the fiery furnace was not just for them three Hebrew boys. That determination on their part, their refusal to give up, not only changed their world, but it changed an entire kingdom. For Nebuchadnezzar said, from now on, we're going to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody say amen. amen. Let me move on. Time is running out. There's something else that we have a propensity to do. When our faith is being challenged, we want to give up our walk with God, and God don't care, and God don't love, and God's not with me, God's abandoned me. I've heard that, I've heard it, I've heard it. But the second posture of faith is jumping now to the New Testament, is learning how to sing and praise and worship when you don't want to. I think sometimes I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm preaching to me too this morning. I'm at church and I've been out of shape over something. Somebody walked into my office at 1055 and dropped a bomb on me. And I've got to come out here and smile and act all hunky-dory like everything is wonderful. And sometimes it's challenging. Anybody feel me here this morning? I know you do. Because you walk in a lot of church services just like that, and I don't, I don't even know what happened to you on the way to church. It's usually marital related for some reason. I'm so sick of that woman, and I'm going to punish God over it tonight. She made me mad, and I ain't worshiping nothing when I get to church. So we walk in and do this little number. But let me ask you to try this. Won't you go sit in a prison cell and have somebody lock your feet up to this mechanism that has you, your ankles locked in, and then they double you over and put your wrist in it and lock it all up to the same mechanism, and they absolutely tear your back apart with a whip. And then sit there and sing, All my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. No, we do this. I ain't singing nothing. Because God ain't been good to me. God hasn't been fair to me. God hadn't done this. God hasn't done that. We are taught a posture of faith. Not only when you're walking in the fire, but when you're bound. Being stuck. And stocks and bonds, and it's not the stock market. Paul and Silas were bound. The trial here is what you do when you're bound. What you do when you're bound will determine the outcome of your situation. If you pout the entire time, if you get bitter, if you get burned, and you're not going to do nothing for God anymore. You won't get better. 
but they teach. And they've set a precedent here, these two men did. If you could somehow, through the pain, I can't imagine the agony those two men were in. But through all of that pain and agony and hurt feelings, and I was just doing my best, and I was serving God with all my heart. And this horrible thing happened to me, and God just didn't come through. He is coming through. He wants to change your world. But not only that, He wants to change the world of those around you. I don't have time to go through the whole story. But you understand, and all of you know the story. This took place, the Bible said, at midnight. They've been beaten. They're bound. You all know the story. And now it's the darkest time of the night. And I don't know which one it was, but one of them decided to, hey, it's kind of quiet in here. Everybody else is trying to sleep and is asleep. Let's just do something we've never done before in our life, in our ministry, in our relationship with God. Let's just become for a little while the prison worship team. And let's just start singing to the top of our lungs. To us, that's trivial, and it means nothing. But I want to go back to camp meeting. I'm going to be honest. I was a little bit out of shape. I was a lot bit out of shape. I went to hear a very special man in my life. I went to hear him speak. And as fate would have it, I sat behind what I found out was a mother and daughter both grown. They had the appearance of being full-grown adult people. And they chatted in front of me, laughed on their phone, pointing at the phone, and they'd just laugh and giggle. And I want to tap them on the shoulder and say, won't y'all go outside and do that? I'm here to hear somebody speak, and, and I want them to minister to me. And you're here interrupting that whole entire thing. On top of that, the young girl, the daughter's husband, came and sat in. It was like sitting behind Goliath. He was about eight feet tall and about four feet wide. And when he sat down, it's like that whole entire platform just went completely out of sight. All I could see was his shoulders, the back of his head. And every time I'd do this to look around him, he would do that. He had eyes in the back of his head. When I would do this, he'd lean over and point and giggle at his wife's phone or whatever. Don't do that in church. Don't do that to people in church. I was agitated, and then there was a couple sitting directly behind me. She didn't say nothing, but he had his arm around her and pulled her in like this, and he just talked the entire time. And I don't know what he was saying. She didn't respond. I don't think she knew what he was saying for that matter. But. So I was irritated, and I just sat there. And I carried that to the service the next night, or that night, excuse me. And the, the choir and praise team was singing. 
and so far at camp this year, I had not heard one song that I knew that I'd ever heard before. That complicated. I'm just being real transparent here right now. Is that okay? I didn't know any of the songs, and you're just sitting there and just. But they reached a point, the choir did that night under the direction of Kevin Howard, where they brought back an old, I call it, in all due respect, I call it an old Mickey Mangan song. They sang it at Bill Clinton's inauguration at that first Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Lutheran. Church has about eight denominational names that make up the name. I don't know the name of it in, in Washington, D.C., uh, not making fun of that, it's just, just being a little humorous. But they sang that song there. And I noticed after a little while, those politicians couldn't help themselves. After a while, and before it was over, the song lasts, I think, seven or eight minutes when you sing it all the way through. By the time it was over, that crowd was on their feet worshiping God. And that's my point. The choir that night at camp broke into that. I don't know the name of the song, but it has I Exalt Thee, I Extol Thee. And nobody can sing it like Sister Mickey Mangan. Nobody on this planet can sing it like she can. They launched into that song Friday night. And I was bound in my stocks and bonds with an attitude of aggravation and frustration. But I couldn't help it anymore. I just finally... Hallelujah. Some of our district officials came off the platform and out of their seat and was pacing across the front of that tabernacle, worshiping God, talking in tongues and what have you. I just reached a point where I just can't sit here anymore and act like an absolute fool. Put your feelings aside, stupid, and get up and start worshiping. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. I'm trying to help somebody here this morning. If you would just open your mouth, put your feelings aside, and apply what you know about Jesus, that truly all my life he has been faithful. All of my life he's been so good. Something comes out of you after a while that says, I got to open my mouth. I got to jump up and down. I've got to praise the Lord. I've got to give God credit. I've got to worship Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. Hallelujah. Let me hurry on. Prisoner number three, Simon Peter. He was thrown in jail. And uh, the Pharisees and the Romans learned after a while, when you want to incarcerate one of these people, you're going to have to step up the game a little bit. 
they're a little harder to keep incarcerated than what we think. You'd think they would have known because they tried to seal Jesus up. They tried to seal up a dead man. But they didn't get it. Perhaps with a Paul and Silas story, I don't know. Not sure which one came first, but you get the point. Peter was thrown into prison. And the Romans made sure this dude ain't going through all this, having to explain what happened to these prisoners. We ain't doing that no more. So they handcuffed him to Roman soldiers. They just didn't put him in jail. They put the soldiers in jail with him and handcuffed him to these guys. Herod locked Peter in a prison and placed around-the-clock guards. Sixteen of these worked six-hour shifts and groups of four, and some of them was handcuffed to him. You ain't getting out of here, dude. So here's your third posture of but with God. The church started praying. They got real nervous about it. I mentioned to you that I've never been thrown in jail. If that time ever comes, I hope instead of y'all gossiping about it, you'll call a prayer meeting. God would be kind. Because I promise you I'm going to be terrified. Call Brother Billy. He'll do something. So here he is. In jail, and the church is praying. You know the story. And so God dispatches an angel. And it's interesting to me that in prison, I guess, you know, if you think of it, you've got these groups of four men, six-hour shifts. You're in jail, and you're being guarded by these men. I guess he would feel pretty safe now that I think about it. They're going to cut his head off the next morning. But until then, you're in good hands. As long as your head's on your shoulders, you're going to be pretty safe. So he went to sleep, the Bible said. I mean snoozing, snoring, carrying on. No singing for Peter that night. I'm going to bed. (laughs) Too tired. I'm getting my head cut off in the morning. I need some rest. I'm making light of that, but I don't mean to. But that's how... Peacefully, he was sleeping. So the time came out for Herod to bring him out to kill him. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like the proverbial baby. It's amazing just how relaxed Peter was. He was within hours, if not minutes, of death. And yet he spent what was supposed to be his last moments on earth sleeping like a baby. He was luxurating in the providence and goodness of God. He was asleep soundly, if you will, in the arms of the prayers of the church. He just went to sleep. 
and slept the sleep of confidence and trust in God and would have continued if that angel hadn't showed up. That angel just ruined his good night's sleep. Just woke him up, shook him. Get up, Peter. Uh, an angel, not a man. You're sleeping through the presence of an angel. The angel of the Most High God is standing beside you. Wake up, Peter. We are about to make an exit. I love this story because it's twofold. Peter finally woke up. And that angel took him out of the handcuffs and walked him through the prison bars out of that jail, out to the street. And the angel said something like this to Peter had to. Good night, sir. We'll see you later. So Peter goes to the prayer meeting. And here's where I'm going to conclude this message. I'm going to put my landing gear out. How many times has our answer to prayer been banging on our door and we just don't open it? The Bible said that church kept praying and praying. Oh, God, deliver Peter. And here's Peter. Oh, God, deliver Peter. God, would you set our preacher free? Oh, God, we need a miracle right now. Oh, God, would you intervene in this situation? It's banging on the door. If you'll go open the door, you will see your answer to prayer. There was a lot of things that happened this past Friday night on a number of different levels. And I want to be careful here, but there were, there were numerous things happened here Friday night that I have prayed for, not for just weeks and months, but years. Years. A long time. Years. I could sleep at night, I will confess to that. But there has been a deep longing in my heart for some things to happen. And that happened this past Friday night. Never doubt in the dark, the midnight hour, what God has promised you, what God has given you in the light. If God has given you a promise, it doesn't matter how bleak, and binding your situation gets. Hold on to the personal promise of God. Lay your head on your pillow at night with the knowledge that no matter how bad things look right now, God has more in store for you. And this challenge that you're up against right now will not destroy you. It will not. It will not. So I have shared with you three challenging positions of faith. Three possible metaphorical positions you might find yourself in at some point 
and your relationship with God. Perhaps one day you will feel you're thrown into a fiery trial that is meant to destroy you. You might possibly find yourself in a situation where you're bound like Paul and Silas were. How you respond to that, you determine the outcome. Your posture, your faith, your attitude determines the outcome. Perhaps you'll find yourself shackled to someone or something that seems determined to prevent you from obtaining your destiny in Jesus. No matter what your challenging position of faith might be, take confidence that you serve a God that can do the impossible. Stand, stand with me tonight, today. We learned Friday night after the choir presentation, Michelle Grohn approached the front of the building where we were standing and said, please pray right now. She was sobbing. Said there's been a horrible explosion and fire out at the plant where she works. She works an office job, and this explosion took place in very close proximity to where she works. She was working a turnaround just a few weeks ago, and she walked by this part of this plant numerous times, virtually on a daily basis. Had that exploded then, the outcome of that would have been horrible. But she said, please pray for my coworkers that are there working. There were three of them that were out that night in close proximity to that explosion, and none of the three of them were injured. Could it be? Could it be they had a God-loving, God-fearing, praying co-worker that wasn't even there? She was here, but God put a blanket and a covering over those people. I believe that today. I believe that today. You have to understand the but with God principle. That nothing with God is impossible. Job said, he knows the way that I take. And when I am tried, I will come forth as pure gold. The wise man said in Proverbs, there shall come forth a vessel for the finer, for the potter. The choice is yours today. How will you deal with the challenge that you're facing right now. How will you handle it? What is your posture going to be? You think it's impossible? You think there's no way out? Do you see no hope? I've seen more than one person throughout my ministerial life that was planning to give up on God, that wanted to give up on God, that wanted to do it within 24 hours of their answer to prayer. They wanted to do it one day prior to God coming through for them in a miraculous way. I've seen men, I know a man today that applied for jobs for months, months. I asked him, couldn't find a job to support his family. I said, bring your resume and I want to anoint it with oil and pray for it. He did that one Sunday when our church was in Baker. We prayed over that resume. He called me about two weeks later 
And he said, Brother Murphy, for the past two weeks, I get three or four calls a day of people wanting me to come work for them when I come interview. He said, God's gone the complete opposite way. Now I don't know what to do. I don't know which job to take. That's what God does. You know why? For he can exceed abundance. For unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly all which we're able to ask him. Somebody could just move today in your head, in your mind, in your spirit, in your attitude. Don't terminate your walk with God. Don't terminate that. Don't, 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 don't do that. Where you think it's no way out, God said, I've got the answer knocking on the door. Your answer's on the way. Yes, it is. God has done it a million times or more. So as they begin to sing, I want you to bring that event. I want you to bring in your mind and your heart, bring that event. Bring that marriage, bring that anxiety, bring that depression, bring that loneliness, bring that fear, bring whatever it is. But you bring it right now. To a God who's faithful, to a God who's able to not only change your world, but to change the world around you. Y'all sing right now. You open your heart right now. Let's you know let's reach exactly out to the Lord, everybody.